Welcome to The Dealmaker Show, the number one place for entrepreneurs and dealmakers to learn about leveraging and generating status, frame control, and narrative power to close big deals. Here is your host, investment banker, deal-making expert, and best-selling author of Pitch Anything and Flip the Script, Mr. Oren Claff. Welcome to the podcast. Did you hear all that? No, you didn't because the mic was muted. I'm Oren Claff. This is the Dealmaker Podcast. I'm very excited to be here today because I have an incredible guest that I'm going to let normally, by the way, I talk for a lot of minutes and the guest just has to sit there and go, and why am I here again? But not today because I have just a guy, uh, uh, Tank Jones, who has was on uh, Breaking Bad, uh, CSI Miami, and you can look at his IMDb, but he is a very interesting person. Uh, let me let him on and let him speak for himself. Hey, Tank, thank you for being here. What's up, Lawrence? So famous, I have to think about, wait, I had to tell you how famous, yeah, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, so, but this guy, uh, can I talk about you and you, you know, in the third person, but but Tank is a very interesting character. If you look at his, there's so much I want to talk to him about today in the overlap between acting and being in business. And I have developed a thesis or a new psychological theory, especially for this interview that I want to share with you. And as an actor, oh, sorry, thespian, or lesbian, or whatever you are, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one, okay? All right, thank you, because we veer off into... I as thespian. So I have a new psychological thesis that you will be able to either invalidate or validate. But what we're trying to do here is send is is take people who are listening, spending their valuable time. I mean, it's a Tuesday at 12 o'clock. People are doing things. They're in the coal mines of their accounting career, of their SaaS software sales, of you know, writing a white paper, and now they're spending time with us. So we have to do something. Like you aren't famous enough, and I'm not good enough that we can just sit here and just have a chat. We gotta like produce. Something. Okay, well, I'm 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 gonna take issue with that, and I'm gonna completely right. disagree with that. You okay. one, you are good enough, you are strong enough, and darn it, people love you. Say, as far as I'm concerned, I'm interesting enough, and the whole thing about it is that I'm alive. We'll get to that yeah. point in a minute, but I could have not been here. And yeah. of all the things that I could have been doing, like knocking at death's door, I chose to be here with you. So let's have some fun with that, shall we? I refuse right. to frame our time together okay. in the way you started off this conversation, sir. Right. So let me give it to you. I'm going to push it back on you. You are good enough. That's the reason why I'm sitting here, Orr. I all love right. it. So let's let's just call that uh, Queen's Pawn to King's Rook 4. Bam. That's Brilliant. Well cool. done. Well done. So let's slow it down a little bit. Right. One thing that has bugged me forever is as in, in when I, I have to go in and give a pitch, I have to write a pitch on a, I'm doing one right now, a cannabis industrial park. Uh, so we got to talk, but go ahead, finish. So it's the actual manufacturing facility for cannabis. It's not like the sexy part of distribution oh, or smoke. They, okay. they build the infrastructure that whatever cannabis goes. So anyway, I got to pitch that, right? And I got to make an introduction and there's lines I have to learn. So there's okay. a 500 word intro that really explains this whole thing. So you go to the internet and you type in how do actors learn lines? And I expected there to be like, you know, the Tank Jones method, the right. Al Pacino method, the, um, you know, the method method of right. learning lines. And apparently there's no method. You just... Yeah. I, you will never get that going online or into because nobody likes to tell their quote secrets of what they do, thinking that it's just something that it's it's too complicated. I don't want to tell you what I do. So then because there's only a limited amount of roles was a complete garbage right now because all the uh, all the streaming and everything that's going on. But, yeah, there is no method other than what you learned in school. It's kind of what you and I have actually talked about. It's rehearsed. It's repetition. Yeah. It's going over it again and again and again. I think there was, uh, I don't remember the question that you post on uh, on your feed, but it was one in which I responded to in which I, in which it was talking about how, I think it was how you learn a pitch uh, yeah. and how you, when you go into the meeting, what exactly are you, how you go, are you going in? Are you going in just winging it? 
Are you going in to pitch it and really learn it so you know the ins and intricacies and outs of your pitch? And I think the first comment that I read on there was from some gentleman that talked about, no, you got to leave room in there for the customer and what they want. And then I saw you come back on him like, dude, you really should make sure that you know the ins and outs of what you're doing so well, like the back of your hand. And, Me- and by the way, you do not have to call um, my fans gentlemen. You're not, <laughs> not expecting that at, at all. Bro, I grew up on a farm, man. Mm-hmm. I, yes, sir. No, sir. I even say to my nine-year-old son, and when he asks me a question, say, Dad, I say, yes, sir. It's just, it's just yeah. ingrained in me. That, that's awesome. Uh, and, oh, so you have a nine-year-old. So, okay, so I want to talk. There's so much to talk about. But just yeah. line learning. Yeah. I, I never found any way to learn lines except for writing it on index cards, doing it in front of a mirror, taping yourself, telling to your grandma, asking her if she did a good job. Um <laughs> Uh, um, you know, flubbing it. And then right. I've always said like, and, and this is what I want your feedback on when you finally go live, like that last 20% just is from pure fear. Your brain just goes, I'm so scared. I'm going to like open up these learning pathways that were previously closed. Right. I'm gonna learn that shit right now. There is something to that, man. And say they, they say people cram generally still do better i forget the percentage but it's a pretty high percentage that they do well on a test of thing because they have short-term memory recall but then after that they forget it all after the test um for me though you because i'm watching I, your clips and they're awesome thank okay? you and and people should watch them uh be, and you're not always handed like the most awesome uh uh situation but you really make acting out of it like this is why i was excited Thank to you. meet you and see you, you really like you are so many different characters and they're not cliche there. I mean, we can tell what the archetype is, right. but you're not just phoning it in waiting for, you know, Al Pacino to call, right. uh, you know, for Godfather nine or whatever. You're really <laughs> making something out of that scene with whatever you've been given. How do you learn the lines? And then we'll get into scene work. First off, brother, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I seriously, sincerely, any from any artist, whatever you like to be appreciated for your work. So I, I appreciate that sincerely. Um, from the standpoint of how I learn lines. So since we, we've got a little bit of time, I'm going to yeah. um, elaborate a little bit for you. I'm going to go back and take you back to when I was a kid. Uh, do, have you ever heard of the Iwana Bible Camp? Uh, not yet. Okay, so a lot of by I'm from a small town, uh, farm town in Illinois, and sure. they used to pick up the kids around town, and they would take them to this Awana Bible Camp. It's kind of like a retreat. There's a church with different buildings, and when you go there, they would teach you the Bible. Then they had um, competitions for Bible verses, and whoever could say uh, memorize the most Bible verses, they give you these things called shares. And when you memorize the verse you got a share. And if you got so many shares, you got to get things like candy, uh, candy bars, Doritos, snacks, things like that. So I ended up memorizing the most verses (laughs) of anybody that was there because I wanted to be able to go to the sugar shack so I could get candy bars, Snickers, Twix, all the stuff that's not good for you. But it, it was good for me. But I had a motivator. I, the point for with that, there was something that was motivating me to memorize those verses. Besides learning the word and internalizing it in my heart, that's just a for, foregone. Is that how it still works today? You're like, I'm going to go down to Starbucks and order, you know, a triple caramel frappuccino, you know, and three of those blue, scary looking lollipop things. Well, and- I don't know if you heard, but there's this thing called insulin when you get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you get right. too much of it, it leads to something else. That might lead to you losing something. And I want to keep what I got. You know what I'm saying? So how do you lever so how do you lever that early experience into what you do now? So the way in which that I learned and I basically learned the technique, if you will, early on, besides having something that's driving me to make sure that some end goal, some prize that's driving me, I have to do this, which is the most important mind frame. It's going over it. And I, if I'm stumbling on my uh, words when I'm memorizing, and again, it's my first thing or I'm just reading it. I'm reading it without trying to memorize it for the first couple of times. I'm trying to connect as a, when I'm doing yeah. a character, 
I'm trying to connect with the material. And my wife will tell you, sometimes she'll see me reading the script and there's a character like, I'm just not connecting with this guy. And I read it again. I'm not trying to memorize it the first couple of times that I read it. I'm just trying to connect. So that's my first thing. I'm trying to connect with the material once I find a quote hook point that interests me. Oh, I found something that interests me about this person. Then I begin to start to find different beats that, all right, this makes sense. How would I say this if it were me? If I were in this particular situation and then I just keep going over it. Before I know it, it's starting to become internalized and I build it beat by beat by beat. I connect, I find the beats and then I just keep plowing through it and I begin to practice it. Oh, I didn't like that. So I'll go over it again. Oh, I didn't like that. Oh, I like that. What if I was able to say it this way? Well, how about I do it this way? So connecting with the material is first and foremost, then reading it till you find something in there where you can put some inflection on it. Test the inflection. I like it. I don't like it. I like it. Let's try it. Can we do it a different way? And practice it so much to the point that when I get up on set, I'm, I better have forgotten it. I better have forgotten the material because that's what allows me to be, quote, live in the scene. I'm now reacting and I'm responding to whomever the actor or actress is that I'm playing against. So how they give me the lines, I now can respond in return. And knowing that I've done the work over and over and over, the repetition, the, I know I'll be able to have it and I'll be able to recall. I'm not even concerned when I get on set about recalling. I'm more concerned, like, am I giving that actor or actress what they need for their performance? And the only way I can do that is if I go over my material over and over and over again, connect with it, find the beats, and go through it until I know it so well I don't know it anymore. All right. On that. Are you, Tank Jones, so special because of your career arc in acting and the acting situations you've been in and the lines you've had to learn over time that you now have the skill set and Joe, SaaS sales guy, the CEO that I have trying to sell his $50 million company can't do that with 500 words, you know, or, or 20 lines because they're not actors are not trained? Or are you saying that, that's the process that anybody can do or you can do it because the extensive situations and the special just mind that you have for acting and empathy, but can anyone do this or do they need to really be in, in entertainment to know, to follow those instructions you gave? I'm getting ready to give you a little bit of credit, man. Uh, in your book, say in Pitch Anything, you talked about the fact you have all of these gentlemen and all these guys who are quote skilled and uh, they go in and it, this is a technique, something that nobody else can learn. You're either born with being a, a salesperson or you're not. And then you came in with your idea of the strong method and you turn that on its head. The reason or that you turn it on your head because you mentioned to the first one of the first deals that you did when you had a quote master of the universe in front of you is he like, wait a minute, nobody does that with me. How did you do that? And then you explain to him the methodology and then he talks about, well, how many hours do you have in that? And you said you have over 10,000 hours in it. And that assumes then that not even assumes that you've practiced. You've done it over and over and over and over again. And that doesn't mean you're going to spend 10,000 10, hours on a 500 word pitch, but you obviously have pitched to get capital for your business before. Otherwise you wouldn't have a business. So yeah, a million percent. And actually to dig a little bit deeper into that, you know, when you see these movies about, you know, these rappers and they're unfolding or comedians are unfolding these tiny scraps of paper and they've got lyrics you know, like Eminem and 8 Mile, they got lyrics, you know, like scribbled and right. lyrics between the lyrics, you know, and lyrics on like the edge of the paper, right? Okay. And they run out of paper and they're writing on their hand. Like that is real. Like there's video of me from, from six, seven years ago preparing for a conference speech. I got little scraps of paper and anything, you know, I could write on and then I'd be in an elevator. It just, just it, it is pervasive. If you want to, and by the way, guys, you know, for those of you out here who, who are doing something with us, we're not asking you to learn goodwill hunting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I have it here somewhere like, um, uh, oh, so now you're going to quote, you know, Botticelli from the 1470s and think you're a master of supply side economics. And then 50 years from now, you're going to look back and said, I got a goddamn degree I could have bought for $3.50 in late fees at the public library. Right. Love it. We're not, we're not asking you to memorize that. Okay, right. just 250 lines that are randomly about your own company. Right. <laughs> right. You would think that you. OK, so remember and you asked me, I said when I was a kid, the reason I brought up that story is because I had a goal. I had a mission. I had something that I was trying to complete because it was something I really wanted. It was important to me. I would think that all business owners, all CEO, this is my baby. This is what I birthed. It's important to me. I want to make sure that whoever buys it carries on the legacy. Right? And I want to make sure that I get the money that I have in return is commensurate to the effort that I put in and laid down for all these years. That's your why. So you got to start from there. OK, you have to you'll be passionate. The passion should already be there. That should be a given. So are you telling me in order to walk down this yellow brick road? to selling my company and going off into retirement or into my next business is all I have to do is learn what I already know about my business, put it in order, uh, do what I do with passion, use a strong method, um, and sell. This, this is my passion shows through, but I just do it and articulate it in a uh, given structural way. That's all I got to do. I can do that. So yes, anybody can do that. You prove okay. it. And so, if anybody's listening to this, they already know. If they've read any of your stories, they know you proved it. Yeah. You, and, I'm talking, and that's why I'm intrigued talking with you because it the two things are they coincide. They they're parallel. They go in tandem. It's the same thing. Well, he thank you. Here's why I'm interested in talking to you because you are in the mix daily doing things that a lot of people only do once in a while. Right. Yeah. Get up and and present, you know, and, and so I've sort of formed this. And I haven't talked about it before. I was waiting to meet you that people are becoming in today's business the average of what everybody wants them to be. And so that's why you can't see the person. I, and, and so I'll give you a quick story. Uh, and, and every once in a while, you'll meet somebody who's whatever the word is, anachronistic or or. Um, so nicheified, like the, they're not in the, they're not in the outside world. They're just in there, you know, like a painter or a garbage man. But my right. my son, he's Fair seven, and, and he has a uh, he races uh, go karts or these little cars, which I talk about a lot. But he okay. has a coach that does not really understand how to work with children. Right, okay. he works with children, but like a driver to him is a driver. So my seven-year-old comes in off the track and, you know, he's like a movie character right out of central casting. Asher, right. look, there's two kinds of drivers. Drivers that are fucking slow and drivers that are fucking fast. Which one are you? Got and it. It's, like, it's a lot to process, but he, I don't complain about it because he is not the average of what his wife wants him to be, what the parents want him to be, what the kids want him to be. Like he is just dedicated to getting race car driver, seven-year-old, 75 years older, faster on the track. And he hasn't paid attention to what people want him to be. Yeah. And so he's, and, and so the opposite of that, and I'll turn it over to you. This is a very long question or premise, uh, but, but I find like people are, are subservient to five, seven, nine, 15, 25 masters. And they, they're, whatever they're, core character is is lost a it's been lost and b the there's a sense in business even if it's hollywood that the deal requires you to be divested or differentiated or separated from who you are okay and and i believe one we got to find that core center who we really are want to be and not be afraid of it and B, bring it to the business deals, not take it out of the business deals. So there's a lot there to unpack. But uh, my first premise is people are just averaging themselves out because they're 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 trying to satisfy too many masters with their personality. As an actor, how how do you view that or respond to that? 
Shoot, well, I'm just respond to it as a human being uh, and someone who's observing the world very uh, similarly to you. And I think that you're absolutely correct. We're right now, we have these conversations sometimes. And uh, yeah, I know we'll, I'll bring it back to acting here in a second, but uh, we are now slaves to, if you will, quote, algorithms. And people are getting roasted oftentimes for standing out. What's the analogy? Say the, the nail that, that stands up gets hammered. Yeah. So, and when you have these different uh, things that you go after, if you will, and when they don't work out, well, I just want to chill out and just do this and be this. I don't want to be the nail that stands up because I don't want, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to be vilified. I don't want people going after me. Um, I just want to chill, live life. I present it. If it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, oh, well. And that's the quote average. That's also goes in line with the 80-20 rule. Well, which side of that coin are you trying to be on? Are you trying to be on the 80% or are you trying to be on the 20%? So the 20% that learn how to stand out, learning that that is actually your sales, pro that's your unique sales proposition is you. You go in, I go into an audition as Tank Jones. Uh, I'm that character, but who is it? Um, he played in Gone with the Wind. What, um, gosh dang it, is it Cary Grant? Yeah. Where they would say for the longest time, Cary Grant was the same character in every movie, over and over and over again. And John Wayne was the same character in every movie, over and over and over again. But you know both of those names. And they stood out in each one of those films. They were themselves and they brought themselves to that uh, role every single time. Well, people were coming and showing up and paying to see them do that. That was their unique sales proposition. It was who they were. They were just doing it on screen. People that are, that are afraid to be themselves, um, they deal with a lot more anxiety, uh, with a lot more when just trying to conform, what type of life is that? What, where did you leave your mark on life? If you have children, what type of legacy are you leaving for the kids? Um, I think about all of these things. As yeah, I, I do too. I do too. And this isn't a, you know, webinar, how to be a good person. That'll be uh, from one 30 to two o'clock. How to be a good person. It's 2495 to attend. Here's the thing, or if, if people who know me, no, this I'm not giving you the the rah rah speech. This is actually, bro, who I am. I used to. You guys may not know this, but I went to for over a decade elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, Fortune 500 companies, colleges. I spoke to kids about creative ways to deal with life, life issues, peer pressure, bullying. Why it's important to believe in yourself, respect one another. This is ingrained, and this isn't just me. My uncle used to tell me, Orin. You can't change the world. And I said, well, I can change the world around me and I can do what I can to talk to somebody and affect them. And hopefully that that will then affect their world, because whatever your world is, is what's around you. It's not what's happening in India if you're not in India and you don't have any connections. So I'm not trying to give you fluff or BS. This really is just who I am. So um, here. So let me let me push on that. OK. And thank you for saying that. So you yeah. go. So you go to do a role. Right. And. Uh, so, so what was one of your favorite roles that really caused you to to really, you know, think about the character and was very different, you know, from sort of different from give you a great story for a film. And I, I always the best role is always the last one. But I'm going to go back. Yeah. To, yeah. To a film that I did um, a year ago because it comes out, I think, later on this year. It's called Paul's Promise. Some of you actually may have already heard about it because they had commercials when the hula ball was playing. They had a commercial, I think, every commercial break on this film. Um, the people who produced this film are friends of mine. They also like my work. So they called me up, asked me if I wanted to do the role. The character's name, Tank. <laughs> um, ironically, they actually named the character after me before um, hoping that I would play the role before they asked me. So um, it's based, though, on a true story. My and my character is the brother of a gentleman who actually did exist when you you'll hear about the film soon. And I'm getting into this character. I'm reading how the script was written and I come across a piece 
after I finished the script and I was asked what I thought about it, I said, you know what? I honestly, again, I'm hired as an actor, not as a producer in this role, in this particular position. But I told my wife, Oren, I said, there's something missing here. I said, I'm just the, I'm not feeling something with this character. I think something's off. There's something that needs to be told in the story with him and his brother that's not being told in the script right now. And it's throwing me off. And I really want to tell them. And she said, well, they're just hiring you for being an actor. Just be the actor. Just do the part. I, and I I couldn't sleep, man. I said, I, I can't do that. So because they're friends and I want the movie to be as good as it can be, too. So I call up uh, my producer friends from, from the movie because they're asking me. I said and I told them the same thing. I said, I think there's something missing here in this relationship. Uh, you've got two characters here who are the only dark brown people in the in the um, project and you have them quote at odds with each other and i don't think that that's the image that we want to portray particularly because of what the the goal of the movie is and it's just it's bothering me i had to tell him and say well we sat down together or we wrote we tweaked together i said i gave him my ideas and instead of them being upset about it they were very appreciative that I had the passion and I was thinking about the project just like them. I wanted it to be the best that it could be for any community that watches it. And one of the cool things, I'm finished with this part. When we, there's one scene that we did that we actually wrote on the bus and we shot it the night of. One of the producers called me up when they got the final product and they said, it's our favorite scene in the movie. Thank you for caring so much. That's that's awesome. I, I want uh, that's triggering a bunch of things in me, but I want to stay on this because it, you know, a lot of the people here who will see this are in business. Yes. In like probably ninety nine percent. Yeah, I, they'd I, sell I, this. Okay. <laughs> they sell this. Sell and, me this pen. <laughs> and like the software that runs this, right? Yes. And like, uh, you know, this, like stuff. Yes. Okay. And they're like, yeah, okay. You, you know, you actors and speakers talking to each other, but like, I'm actually got to go to work. All right. And sell the, this, um, SATA SSD solid state, one terabyte 3d nano drive upload cyber security software to right. enterprise clients. Yes. So what triggers me in something that you said is you sat there and you said something is missing. And I feel like, we need those of us who are in business doing accounting, doing financial modeling, giving PowerPoint presentations, walking through value propositions and features and benefits. We need to have give ourselves permission to say something is missing. This feels flat like that is not good enough. If something is missing, but the problem is we don't have the tools. And this is where we want to call on you. We don't have the tools of acting and entertainment and character development and script. Oh, and also it's not a script. It's a real world, like actual job, but um, not to put that on you, but um, so, you know, Hey, what's my, sorry. What's my motivation? What's my motivation here? Oh, my motivation is I'm trying to get a paycheck to feed my family. Amen. My motivation. So Amen. All right, well, let me encapsulate this. So, so we feel something is missing from the presentation. Like we know it is, we know it's the story or it's flat or something, but in your mind, what do we pull in to fill that hole in business? Cause you're, you know, you're in business too. Yes. How do we fill that hole if we don't, if we're not Tank Jones? Orin, you said it, man. I know you said, well, we got these people and they're listening to this. I, you said it. It, it. The two things are parallel. They run in tandem. You just, just because I'm on the screen saying it doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to business. If you're sitting, when we talked about the CEO who's trying to sell his business, when you have a situ, um, something that pops up in business and you're going over the plan, you have a presentation coming up. What? Give me a, give me a um, scenario so that sure. I can... Sure. So we're selling a uh, industrial park, uh, the an industrial park development that's going to be six months uh, in build. So there'll be no cash flow. Then there'll be a tenant uh, in it. It's fifty thousand square feet. 
It's a $20 million project. And once completed, it will generate a 10% cash on cash return. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I, no, uh, give me another one, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is real world. Real, I'm dealing with this right now. I love you. I love you. <laughs> you see that? I'm dealing with this one. All right. I love that. <laughs> so um, good. So good. I said, as you say, as far as the question goes, how you say 20% and the person they're going to have, there's delayed gratification there. Yes. What, what is the reason that uh, in your mind, if you took yourself, Orin, and you put yourself in your, or whomever it is, salesperson, CEO, I, I, I just so happen to know because you've already said it, put yourself in their position. What is it that they want out of this? I'm going to give you something real quick. Part of my technique when I'm building a character, we didn't talk about this, and this is directly applicable. What is it that I'm trying to get? What type of response am I trying to yeah. evoke out of the partner that I have in my scene? Great. The response I want is this is hard, right? Like you're doing something that that is is takes so many different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Like it's this, even though it, it it's not exciting, it's not a movie, right? Or we haven't invented a new kind of semiconductor. We're not going to Mars, right? right? We're not building the homes that they're going to live in in Mars. Like it's very normal, but it's still it's still exciting. Because itself is hard to do. I, I want that's what I want them to feel is like wow, like this this is so disciplined and so difficult. This is a really hard project, and it's awesome to see it come together. Okay, why don't you take yourself out of the out of the picture for a while? And this goes with any anybody. Sometimes you get so it's the forest for the tree scenario. Take yourself and step back from it and look at it from a um, from three sixty. Uh, How'd I do? How'd I do? Where you go? You said get out of the picture. <laughs> I literally okay. Let's oh, let's oh, say figuratively right. speaking. Okay. All right, bro. I'm okay. So mentally, I can tell we'll be friends. Uh, I like you. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, take the, the 360, 50,000 degree aerial view. The whole picture from front to from front to back, and I know you you know this, so we're just having this conversation, um, so you can get it out of me. But I'm gonna keep people on this. They're they've read your book, obviously. When you got the deal for the airport, you went, you lived there for a while. You got to know the people. As an actor, I'm when I'm reading the script, I'm getting to know the people that I'm interacting with in this story. What's my relationship to them? Um, what do, when we're doing scenes together, what type of emotions am I trying to get them? I, am I trying to get them to love me? Am I trying to get them to hate me? Am I trying to convince them to let me go on the, on the trip with them and they pay for it? Uh, if, if it, whatever the scene is, I teach this to my son. What's the motivation? What are you trying to get out of the other party? And then you turn it around and you become the other party. And what, when they hear you, what are they hearing from you? Put yourself in their shoes. What, how is this coming across to them? So are they you're, you're pulling something up in me. Can I just respond? Like, I, I feel like, and we talk about this internally, what I want people to understand about the work we do is we don't stop when we're tired. We stop when we're done. Like, okay. so I will tell somebody, like one of the first steps we'll do, we're, we're selling your company. I want to go sleep a night in the office, see who comes in the morning, like just breathe that office air. Like I'll come put a cot in your office and I want to live it. Yeah. We just want to experience it. Like we, because, you know, sometimes we quote things wrong or right. we take on projects we shouldn't. And to to our negative, but I think it comes across in who we are is we just keep going beyond the point where we probably should quit. We don't stop when we're tired. We stop when we're done. And I think that's what we're trying to get across to people right. because otherwise, if we just do the features, benefits, values of our business, there's a thousand other companies that do, you know, the exact same thing, including, uh, you know, uh, Frederico, who just graduated from Stanford yesterday, you know, and we've been in business for 15 years, but that guy does the same things as we do as an advisory, 
But what he doesn't have is the the experience and the cycles and the reps and just this mindset of we don't stop just because there's a speed bump or something's difficult or we're tired. We 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 get it done somehow. That's what we trade on, and we will try and like build that into everything that we are and bring that across. So so that's that's what you triggered in me when we're trying to explain to people. Um, you know, where our passion is or where we come from or our differentiation or how we operate. I think another uh, way to say the same thing is do the work. Uh, if you, it's a, it's a funny saying, but it's still, it was a movie. You say never stop, never stopping. Um, but do the work. My, uh, I had a really, if you are, I know you are, but I still got to ask the question. Are you familiar with uh, Six Sigma? Uh, with what? Six Sigma. Six, yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So quick synopsis, maybe some people on here who are familiar with it but don't know the uh, genesis of it. Started yeah. Motorola's mid-80s. Um, Motorola was getting their proverbial asses kicked by Japan because they had too many defects in their electronic properties. They had two scientists to come up, and they came up with Six Sigma, i.e. 6,000% improvement. Everybody thought it was impossible. They proved it. And then when they proved it, other companies used it. It got into the hands of Jack Welch and then took off and became a phenomenon. And now roughly over 70 percent of Fortune 500 companies use it today. Um, my good friend, Dr. Michael Harry, was one of those two scientists. He had a very successful consulting practice. Uh, he was my son's godfather and he passed away a couple years ago. But my very good friend, we talked about Six Sigma a lot. And he had this uh, instance called the Great Discovery to use it for small business and help small business and young entrepreneurs and people apply it to their life and their business so they can have 6,000% success as well. Uh, the reason why I brought all of that up is we sat down and I have this parallel piece. I broke down what he said into something that's palatable for the average person. And it's you can, and it's an acrostic, U-K-A-N. And when first, when people see that, say, that's not how you spell, you can. And that right there, most people, when they see a situation, they always see the problem first. But within every problem lies the solution. You, it starts with you. You must know who you are, know what you want. K, make a, no, no, you, it starts with you. K, know what you want. A, make a plan to get it. And keep moving forward with a never give up attitude. Apply that to, you can have, if you apply that methodology to whatever you're doing, you can have success in that area with methodologies like strong supporting you. But one of the pieces that we always talk about is when you've got a problem, you have to be able to know what's propelling you forward. He called it the Six Sigma way of thinking or SWOT analysis. Know what's propelling you forward. Three things that you can articulate in three words. Then know what's holding you back. Three um, three, at least three things articulate in how and how they're holding you back. And then you have to come up with at least three, five, 10, 15, 10, 15 solutions on how you're going to overcome that obstacle, then begin to put them in place. So let's when you talk about pitching. I keep going back to the first comment that you had on that thread when the person oh you he didn't basically say you could wing it. But he basically said you could wing it. And I found when I do roles and I, quote, wing it, terrible performance. But if I've done the work beforehand, I will say something and ad-lib something. And when the scene is cut, the director will say, oh, that was great. Can you do that again? But it wasn't originally in the script. And the only way I was able to come up with that is because I connected with the character so well because I did the work to do it. I came up with all sorts of obstacles. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted out of the other person. I put myself in their position so I knew what, how I was saying, how it would come across to them. And then make the whole picture, see it from the top, what am I missing? And then what obstacles are preventing me from doing this? What obstacles in my mind and what obstacles in theirs? And when I was eight, that creates the tension necessary. It creates, I know what they're gonna say before I go in it. And I've got at least three, four, five, ten answers that I can come back with, depending on how they respond to me. 
I just described to you your methodology, his methodology, and my acting methodologies and how they all and they all go into the same world. And if you didn't write all that down uh, for eighteen dollars following this class, you'll be here back. no. Uh, if you didn't write all that down, but yeah. <laughs> Just for nineteen ninety nine, nineteen no nineteen hundred and ninety nine. All right, go ahead. <laughs> if you didn't write all that down, what you are watching here is process. This is this is so key. Is get a process and then run all the situations. You know, a lot of people here have to go pitch, sell, business development, and and. If you find yourself something, what should I do? They said this, maybe I should do that. What's the situation? Going to talk to people. Like that is, uh, um, you don't have a process. When you run the process, get a process and run it. When you yeah. see people very sophisticated like this, when you see me doing it, right? What looks like, you know, I'll get on stage. I don't want to toot my own horn. We're going to have enough horn tuning, but I'll get on stage. Sure. People will say, oh, you know, I have a flower company, but we have cybersecurity software with the flowers, but we also develop photos and make donuts. Okay. Okay. Good. Why don't you pitch a company like this? Right. And then I pitch and like, oh my God. Yeah. That's a pitch we've been looking for for years. Like, can you say that again? How, like, I'm not actually processing 9 trillion lines of code of never before done stuff. I'm just, I've done so many company pitches. I'm right. just running a process on it and coming out with it. But to people experiencing it for the first time, it looks like magic. Yeah. Roll tape on tank, use his process, use my process, use Tony Robbins's process, use Joe Biden's process, use Trump's process. Well, no, actually don't do that. <laughs> he um, said, wait, excuse me. <laughs> the record. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, but, but run a process that you feel is reliable that you're in control of and you can run and you start to get improved outcomes or at least improve your process. If you're winging it to your point, step one of the things that are propelling you backwards is, Hey, I'm going, I'm winging it. I'm going down unprepared. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. You were looking for improv class. Yeah. Cause we wanted a presentation on SAS software. Uh, improv is two buildings down, uh, right. second city right on it. You're going to love it. Hey, see if you it. see the SAS software guy walking in, send him back here. Cause you <laughs> are obviously not him. Right. Right. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but process driven. So I want to move backwards a little bit. Like I saw a clip, uh, you were playing a military, uh, officer or general and you were okay. yelling at a guy. Yeah. What, what movie was that? That was Rotten Tail, which actually you can find on Amazon right now. Okay. <laughs> so, and can you give us a line? I mean, is it trademarked or proprietary? Can you give us a line? Can you get into that character real quick? Oh, shoot. It's been so long. You've been, I, I don't want to. Um, I, okay. I know. People are like, hey. You guys, um, a disclaimer right now. If I'm, there's going to be a bit of profanity in this. Okay. Got, this is your 15 second warning right now to turn your speakers down. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, for if you have small children, the content of this following uh, podcast will be inappropriate. You have been warned. <laughs> Say, you know who I am? The General Phelps. But yes, I'm General Phelps, which makes me the motherfucker that I don't have to tell you shit. Say, when I say jump, you say hi hi, and you better be spring loaded otherwise and ready to jump off the motherfucking building. You understand that? So we gotta care. And what's interesting, just as five seconds, but you could see your characters, you started sinking into that character more and more just in five seconds. And and now Here's what I'm trying to get to. And guys, sorry about the language. We get a lot of complaints about language, but you know, if you want to, we talk about all the time. If you want to get a hundred million dollar outcome somewhere and you think you're never going to hear some salty language, you're sadly mistaken. Especially in those rooms. I've been in those rooms too. How much Tank Jones remains in these characters? Because that's what I'm trying to get to. Like if I'm going to give a presentation in front of a room of CEOs. And I've determined this is the character that's required for that room. Uh -huh. um, how much Oren Claff, in your mind, how much Tank Jones remains 
in this character that goes into that room, like how much is it, how much is that character purpose built for that stage? Is it 50, 50? Is it 25, 75, 75? How do you think about you as a person, the character that's required for that stage and how they mate to each other? So I'm still coming out of General Phelps's head right now as you're talking to me. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> um, I don't cuss much with Orn, uh, but the character always has to have the spine of the individual. For me, it's I'm I'm the spine of every character that I play. So stop there, stop there. I just want you to just go deeper into that because that's what I think people really will make a big difference in people's lives that I meet. So the character has to have the spine of the individual. It, my feeling is people don't believe that they, they believe that the audience wants to see something that's different from who they really are. I want everybody who is on your podcast, who is listening to this, who watches any movie, who follows any actor or actress, go back and look at their performances. There are only a handful of, not even a handful, you can count on maybe one or two fingers. I can think in my head, Daniel Day-Lewis being one. Right. And I would have said Tom, uh, Tom Hanks, but there's still that lovable Tom Hanks in every character. There's still, whenever you watch a Denzel character, Denzel is in every character. But don't um, you think Gordon Levitt Gordon Levitt strikes me as somebody like uh, sort of like an empty vacuum tube. <laughs> you know, you can't, it's hard for me to see down into what's going on down there. I, I, I um, challenge you on that to go back and watch the performances and find if you don't see a quirk in every, even one of uh, if his movies that he does for every actor, whether it's a hand gesture, whether it's an eye movement, whether it's something that you see that's this close up, where he gives the character next to him a look and say, that's Daniel Day-Lewis, that's Gordon Levitt. That's, that's, every actor has it because that's what makes you you. That's your star power. But if you look at him in Jumper. I didn't, um, at, I didn't say that you won't find differences. You can house your house. You can have a 4,000 square foot house and a 14,000 square foot house. Obviously they're two different sizes. They The gates come up, but the same person owns them. Oh shoot, they have the same type of windows. I never noticed that before. Each house. And I'm saying there's something that every actor, I challenge you, come back to me. We'll, we'll pick this back up and you tell me if I'm wrong. But with every, every actor, there's something there that is still distinctly him or her. Eat Meryl Streep being another one who she's a, a chameleon, but she's still Meryl Streep. Um, if you look at my uh, reel, my performance reel, you have General Phelps on one end and then you have a gentleman that I played, uh, Jim Young, who was also based on a true character, who was a slave. I saw that. And yeah. they're two- High contract, very different. Very I different. The time, but if there's certain pieces in there of both characters that are the same. And that essence is who I am. This is the reason why when I do a film, producers and directors bring me back. And if you look at my IMDb, I've worked with the same producers and directors at least three or four times because I still give them something that's tank. I had the greatest compliment from a casting director that I think any actor could ever get. And that now, is- huh? now, now I have you where I want you. Okay, let's go. Now, now I'm going to put some pressure on you and some accountability. Okay, let's squeeze. Now I'm multiple roles you have to play with Hollywood and entertainment being the way it is today. So fractured. You have to be on a moment's notice, be, you know, be willing to play, uh, you know, Eminem, you know, all the way to, um, you know, the slave characters and anything in between because, it's it's the way it is. So you, you have to be available to be anybody at any time on very short notice. Okay. Be somebody else. How do you keep track of yourself where you really are? Okay, good question. And I have 
I have a response to that because you were saying you have to be any character at any time, especially in this uh, climate. Actually, there are certain roles on that I will not play because of that. Because if I can one, if I can't connect to the character, there are certain uh, choices, and I'm not saying my morals or some uh, my morals are better than somebody else's or somebody else's morals are better than mine. I'm simply saying I base it on connection, and there are certain things that. When I read the script, or when I read the sides, if I cannot connect with that character, me, Tank Jones, if he cannot connect with what's on that paper, I will, even if I've gotten the role, I will humbly turn it down. Um, because I can't see, I still, in my process, I still have to see myself in it. I still have to see myself, have I been in that situation before? Have I been in that predicament before? No. Okay. Um, can I imagine myself in that predicament? Yes. Okay. Let's proceed. Can I? No, I can't. Oh, that person lives this. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. That that's on the list of stuff that I just won't do on camera because I do have to think about what am I portraying to someone else? Even sure. though it's quote, not me, it's still, it lives on forever. And is that right, more pressure? Not, not something that's like offensive, you know, to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, something that's still mainstream, right? So you're not playing, you know, the only black German Nazi officer, trans, uh, gender. You just Olympic. put it all in there. Just put it all. Right. Uh, um, Paralympic Nazi, black, right. transgender first. This, you're like, that's just not, I don't I'm want to touch all those issues. Yeah. yeah. Something that's mainstream, but okay. still you won't do because it's not tightly enough uh, enough center to who Tank is. Is there anything? There's nothing. Say, so it's not really necessary um, putting pressure. Like I said, I have to go through the script first one and say there's, um, there's certain characters that I try not to judge my character's morals. I try not to judge my character's behavior. Um, but if I can't connect with it, I'm not able to do it. And I can't necessarily give you a um, a role in which that's happened. But if it were ever presented to me, I can see, I can look and see I'm, I'm not connecting. I can't do it. And it would be the same with certain business deals. Since you are doing, we're talking business deals. I have done that before where I've walked away from certain business deals that looked lucrative and looked great because the parties involved, if I continue and I work with these people for this period of time with, I don't see this being a good fit long-term. Yes, it can make money, but do I, is that the type of association that I want? No. Okay. I just had that situation happen actually. So I think in, in hearing you say this, my revelation on human insight here is that where the things that you won't do are, that's where your center is. That's where you, the things that you, so it's hard to find your center in all the things you will do because there's so many different facets. Yeah. But then you boil it down to the things that I won't do. Mm -hmm. That 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 is where you find your values, your character, your your you know the the your your human nature, and that's where you find yourself. So for those of us who have to you know go pitch a cannabis deal, go have to pitch real estate, talk about SaaS software, you know, do horizontal, maybe sell insurance, you know, which is very horizontal uh, in different industries. And you're just finding yourself being different things to different people. Where am I? It's where you are is in the things that you won't do. I agree. Say, shoot, <laughs> where, where's the line for you? Some people don't have one. I do have a line and there's some things that I definitely won't cross. You asked, but I said it, when I sit down and I can't connect, and a lot of it has to do with, say, with morals, but I don't want to get, like you said, it's not that kind of show, but I know what it is, and I will not cross it, no so, matter how much money you pay. You know, since we're on a serious topic, and I hope this doesn't, you know, touch a nerve or anything, but, but where the fuck are you? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right now, in this particular moment in time, I'm in Chandler, Arizona. No, okay. 
<laughs> I'm like, no, not not what zip code are you in? Like what they're they're like a fake plant and oh. like a, please uh, if you use the sugar, if what does that say? If you use the sugar, please put the spoon, a fresh spoon back in. And on Wednesdays, um on Wednesday, janitorial services will be here nine to eleven. Where are you? Oh, right now behind me. No, what I don't know what you see. Actually, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, you got I have um I'm in one of the rooms that I normally shoot stuff in. Okay. And I have these uh these placards that I have in this room. One's two of them are Bible verses, one of them is live your life, dream daily, live joyfully, smile sweetly, breathe happily, and think positively. This is yeah. one of the rooms in my house that I typically will shoot an interview in front of because of the messaging. But because I'm so low on the chair, you can't see the messaging that well, but yeah. Got it. No, thank you. I was just wondering that since the beginning. By the way, uh, this is the inaugural show that we decided not to do any swearing on. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for helping us achieve that goal. You really nailed it for us. Can you, you should have asked me to do the other character? <laughs> you, if you've seen that part, that's all General Phelps does. Yeah, you can't see all these people here going, no more characters. That's every other, every line is a no more, no more characters, please. But you did do the warning. You did do the warning. We did do I got a few minutes left. Tell me about your son. So of course. And well I have three kids. But yeah, my son he's the youngest. He's nine. And as a matter of fact uh, he's up for a major television show himself. He's an actor. So I'll give you a quick story about it. Uh, my two girls were 15 and 17. My oldest had done a national all com uh, all detergent commercial with me. Uh, she had did a couple YMCA shoots with me. My other daughter did a couple shoots with me. But I was always wondering, am I pushing them to do this, to do this with me? Or is it something they yeah. want to do? And so I kind of stopped and I let my, I, I shunned, pushed them away. So when my son was done was uh, of age, I didn't even mention, I didn't want to talk to him about taking pictures, none of that stuff. I didn't want him in the business. <clears throat> now, one day he's six years old, three years ago. He comes to me and say, dad, I want to be on TV. Out of nowhere, Orrin. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I laughed and said, no, you don't. And he's like, yes, I do. And we're going this, this playful father and son back and forth. And I said, why do you want to be on TV? And then he looks at me with this really sheepish grin, man, and he says, I want to be on TV and make movies like you. I said, oh, shoot. <laughs> so I had no choice but to help him. And he since he's done two films with me. One of them comes out later on this year, actually. It's called Colt Cartel. He plays my son uh, in the film. He's shooting a film this Saturday. Uh, it's about he has a he plays a basketball player and he's up for a major role for something that I can't discuss right now. Uh, he's and on top of that, he's in a school where he's studying Mandarin, robotics, engineering. So you, yeah. This is modern parenting, by the way. Here, here's what's happening. Let me tell you what's happening. Tank is having his son live, you know, his true life that he is authentic to him and, and really all the opportunities that are in our modern society. And he's also having him relive Tank's childhood. <laughs> So he's got it. He's got two. He, he, he's, got two he's got to relive your childhood more perfectly. And then he, you know, in his spare time, he can live his own damn childhood. I right. Because there's always the surface reason. And then there's the underlying. Nah, I'm serious, man. It's, um, That's awesome. Yeah. That is, I'm, I'm really proud of that kid. That is and awesome. My, my girls on the entrepreneurial side say maybe you saw this on some of my LinkedIn stuff or not. But my girl's 15 and 17. My 17-year-old um, has four streams of income. She has a nutrition business that she runs. My um, 15-year-old sat her her mom and I down with drinks and snacks and went through a 30-page PowerPoint presentation where she has a shaved ice business that she wanted us to invest in. So she went over the, the pros and cons of investing in it. And I have a relationship with Mace Rich, which owns a lot of the uh, malls. And we went to Chandler Mall, sat down. She had her 30-page business plan in hand, Orrin. She, I had her, she had the leasing manager and she had the mall manager. I let her run the meeting. I was just there for support. And they took her around. And for the, her summer, she ran a shaved ice business at the Chandler Mall in Chandler, Arizona, man. That's I, amazing. I, I said, so, how many 15-year-olds have you had come in here with a 30-page business plan and articulate it to you? No, no, yeah. that is none. That is yeah. me. And 
Um, I think it would be good if I just send my son to come live with you because (laughs) father, father, may I have a pony? I sure, son. I will. I will send the Rolls Royce to pick one up for you. Right? Would you like it? Uh, Father, would would twelve o'clock be too soon? Uh, Sure, son. Sure, son. We'll have it for you right away. (laughs) Father, I'd like to play polo. I'll get you on the polo team. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, man. So, uh, yeah, no, there's your your uh, value. The the values you're giving your children are amazing. And we there's a lot that my wife and I can learn from you. Can we come spend some time with you, please? So you're in Arizona. You're in Arizona. I'm in Arizona. I'm also in Santa Monica, California, but I spend most of my time here in AZ. Um, this is where my kids go to school. So it used to be the other way around, but now we flipped it um, yeah. where I just commute back and forth there. But yeah. yeah. Hey, man, it'd be, I, like I said, I'm listening to you. You have, uh, we, we have, I think, similar personalities. We, we click. We very, click. very good. And, and what I, what I love, I'm getting the hook on time. We're going yeah. over, but what I love is here's somebody who works in Hollywood, but lives where his kids are. And I love that. Amen. Thank you for coming here, Tang. I learned a lot and I enjoyed my time with you. And I hope we can get together in person uh, sooner than later. Looking forward to it, brother. I appreciate it as well. Thank you, Orin. Okay, guys, make sure to like this episode and join and subscribe so you can get. By the way, all we're going to do every week is just re interview Tank. <laughs> like, there's nothing else. <laughs> If we can continue, if we can continue to scroll up and get guests like this, it's going to be amazing. Join us every week. This has been the Dealmaker Show with Oren Clapp, and I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening, and be sure to stay tuned for more great content from Oren Clapp. If you want to get daily insights and additional assets, go to orenclapp.com/daily and sign up for a seven-day trial of the Daily Dealmaker. See you next time.